So we're going to try to be Snyder. I think I got it right. <laughs> Jimmy does it so much better than me. Hi and welcome Behind the Hype. With me, your host, as always, Brian Dressel. And with me, as always, is Jonathan Hardesty. <laughs> Snyder. <laughs> I, t- I tried. <laughs> so Chewy has been uh, oh so fortunate to get her Moderna shot, number two, which means she will not be joining us tonight. Uh uh, side effects kind of kicking her ass and uh as much as she wants to be here to talk about how much she legitimately enjoys this movie uh i think sleep is kind of winning that argument so she will not be joining us tonight but her review on the movie was it was pretty good she didn't like the pacing that was it um i'm sure she'd have ten thousand more things to say if she were able to join us today but unfortunately she can't so i'll give you the baseline of liked it wish it was better um <laughs> yeah I, I, and honestly, that's kind of a fair review for the movie. Um, I, John and I actually met up at a park and saw each other in person. I know, so strange, uh, the other day. And even when I was telling him about it, I'm like, this is so clearly in need of a Snyder Cut. It's kind of a bummer that we don't have one on this one. Right, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, I think it might be one of the, maybe with the exception of Man of Steel, it might be one of the only ones that doesn't have a an actual director's cut even hinted at suggested or even in existence or rumored yeah you might be right now, now that i'm thinking about it because i always thought there'd be one of man of steel but he always says there isn't and i'm like i don't believe you um, yeah <laughs> he claims man of steel is his full vision for it and it's like uh-huh yeah sure yep uh-huh sure like, yep like we're not doing that this month because we, we've done it before and I, i've fucking seen it so many times uh, I'm a big fan of Cavill Superman, and I'm a big fan of that movie, but it doesn't feel like a whole movie. It, it's never felt like a whole movie. That's been my biggest problem with it since day one, so I don't believe you. And if it is, then okay. Then maybe that's just not my favorite Snyder film, and that's okay, too. Uh, <laughs> but Owls of Gahul. Right. <laughs> or rather, Legend of the Guardians, the Owls of Gahul. <sighs> uh I fucking hate the title so much. Oh my god! Speaking of titles, you don't like? Did you see Chris Taro uh, announced the titles that he went for for Batman vs Superman? If you didn't look them up, I don't think I've agreed with Warner Brothers on fucking anything. But Chris Taro's titles—they were not the right choice. Uh, it's like oh. Son of Oof. Sun versus Night of Night. Like no, 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 no. That's a no. Nope. I'm, nope. I'm, like I, I, <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> Much respect to writers because those titles sound good in, in your in your head, and I, I I believe it. Like, but when once you put that on paper and then you read it out loud, you're like, no, no, no. <laughs> that, no. Uh, yeah, <laughs> sun of uh, sun and night. Okay, no. Nope. Nope. <laughs> yeah. All yeah. right, back to Alice of Gahul, uh, the other terribly titled. I'm just gonna be calling it the Alice of Gahul the rest of the day episode because that's too long of a fucking title. Um, yeah. So this movie, uh, do you want to do a really quick breakdown? I think I did the other one. Um, sure, yeah, I, one? I can. Right. I can give it a, a shot because um, there's a lot it's to it. Um, a lot to it. Yeah. So in short, there's two brothers, two uh, owls, barn owls, I think, um, Soren and Clud, and they're you know they're two different sides of the coin, I guess, in terms of their mentality. But they get kidnapped by a bunch of owls called the, uh, oh shoot, what was it? The pure Type, ones? The pure ones? Yes. Yeah, and they get indoctrinated into their way, or, or start to, but Soren escapes with uh, another little owl in tow. And I, I just don't remember any of these names, so sorry. No, uh, not little, a single little, one. Yeah, little owl. Uh, they escape with the help of another owl who's defecting or trying to find his family, and then they meet up with the guardians after... A journey and they try to warn him of what's happening because there's this evil owl called metal beak and yeah metal beak i'm into it i guess you know but i I, i'm I'm here for i like that one (laughs) yeah yeah and so then they warn about it but they don't believe him so they send scouts over to the pure ones 
and they get ambushed and only one returns and he's like oh it was so true we must go fight and so they do but it's a trap and soren has to go back and save the day but meanwhile his brother has been indoctrinated indoctrinated by metal beak and they fight and clud the now evil brother quote-unquote dies or supposedly dies and they win the day and they become guardians of gahul and it's happy and everything's all good but there's a hint that maybe he's out there still clud the new metal beak or something i mean yeah sequels yeah that that (laughs) definitely never happened um yeah this is one of the only ones that I, I can say that we're covering throughout these five weeks that I'm like, this one not having an audience, I can't say I'm that surprised. I, it's, yeah. it's very, like, Secret of Nim level, like, yeah, it's a kid's movie, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, like, if you want your kids to be real fucking bummed out, it's a kid's movie. Uh, which yeah. is fine. I mean, like, uh, don't get me wrong. I, I'm here for those movies. I think they, there's no, no nothing against having, like, hard-hitting movies for kids it's just like is something fell off about this movie the whole way through to me yeah and, and i did i almost brought it up to you in chat before this but i didn't want to kind of spoil the thought but this seems to be a problem with adaptations of book series and we had a recent thing we did that was a, a ya adaptation of a book series that we had a lot of i have a lot of same the same complaints that, Are you referring uh, to the uh, the fuck? What the hell is that thing called? That's another stupidly titled one, wasn't it? Mortal like, Engines. Yes, yes. And so then I was talking with Jandy about this a lot in terms of adaptations in general. And what this feels like is that on some level they knew that there was only going to be one movie, and so this first movie is the first three books. Because I, I, I had to know, I had to know if this was the same situation um, of most adaptations for these types of stories. And yeah, this movie is the first three books. So we're getting three books of story about these owls of Gahul in, like, one movie. So the whole thing with Metal Beak happens over time, over the other books, and it all kind of comes together. Oh, It's like a huge saga. It's like, uh, don't quote me on this, but like 12 to 13 books? It's, It's a lot of books. So we're only getting, like, the first three of them in this movie. And once I read that in in my research... It made a lot of sense. Everything about yeah. this made sense. The the terminology, the fantasy terminology that was hitting us rapid fire, all the names that we're never going to remember. And then the pace that felt breakneck, yet not like that felt breakneck. But at the same time, it was long. This movie's long. It's a it's a long hour and a half. And I don't mean that as a joke. Like it, it, You feel every minute of that hour and a half. Yeah, I think I paused it at one point just to look up something who, like who the voice actors were because almost all of them sounded like hugo weaving at one point or another um they either all sound like hugo weaving to me or they all sounded like elijah wood who's not in the movie right yeah <laughs> yep yep <laughs> so yeah i had some issues uh, also like one of them soren sounded like jamie bell a lot and i had to double check that but when i did i paused it i was only halfway through the movie and i'm like holy balls i'm this felt like i already watched an hour and a half Oh, yeah. I, I had two of those moments. The first time, I think it was about 20 minutes in. I'm like, so we got to be about almost an hour into this. Oh, God damn. Like, yeah. Wow. And like th- this movie just wasn't very economical with like what it felt it could lose from the books. Like, granted, I haven't read a word of the books. Like, I should be honest about that. But at the same time, like this movie spends what feels like a solid chunk of screen time teaching the owls how to fly. And it's yeah, like... And it- I get, I and get it never that. really gets the chance to pay off either because no, because they just fucking it, learn to fly. <laughs> okay, I assume yeah. owls can fly. Like I, I can make that leap that between being born and being a fucking owl, it learned to fly. I didn't need to spend that much time with it, especially because, it, like you said, it doesn't pay off. Once they learn to fly, they're good. They're flying as far as they can. Like the the uh, what would it be like the stamina of flight isn't a fucking problem. You just had to learn the physicality of it. So it's like. Uh, this doesn't really work for me. Like, why? Why would you keep this entire like plot line in here? It really, it really does not. It, oh, the only reason it's there and the only reason it works is like, oh, if they knew how to fly, they wouldn't have gotten kidnapped. It's like, okay, I, I feel like there's another way to write around that without wasting all the flight time. But well, right, and and so there, there's all this stuff that's just set up because it has to be, and and 
that kind of boils down to the whole adaptation aspect of it, that these things in this, everything I saw on screen felt like it had to be there because it was in the books in some way, whether or not it worked or made sense or paid off. Um, specifically, yeah, like you said, the flight, the branching, they spend a long time on that and the, the stealthiness of branching. We never deal with that. Their, their fight, Clud and Soren's fight at the end, doesn't have anything to do with that other than they reach a tree and they're fighting each other at a tree that's similar to what they grew up in. So it's like, okay, but the movie doesn't have enough time to make that have any meaning like yeah. it's almost like you you get someone who would actually spend time on that you get a filmmaker like Zack snyder who could do that and who has the visual prowess and the style to be able to pull this sort of thing off and let the visuals communicate all this stuff and you see it happen on screen every now and then but there's just to- so much data <laughs> that has to yeah. be presented to us in adaptation form for the fans that it's just completely alienating to anyone else who's not. And if you change too much, like it, it becomes a problem of who you're making it for. And if you're just making it for the fans, I don't know if there were enough. So it seemed like a very weird proposition, this movie, yeah, th- as I'm a, watching it. A very, very small needle to thread. And I can't say if he got there or not. I, I honestly, I don't know a single fan of the book series. Like, I, I don't know anyone who's like, yeah, man, give me my fucking owls. Like, it's just not something that happens, at least in my circles. I'm sure the fans are out there. Or Warner Brothers would have never made the fucking thing. Well, um, right. And, and I think it's, because it, it, I have a, you know, my daughter's eight years old, so she's starting to get into these types of books. So going through like the Little House series, reading book series, even starting to read like the Tintin graphic novels. And just so she's getting into that mode around eight, nine years old of book series. And that's kind of what the right. age range was suggested for this Owls of Gahul book right. series around nine, ten years old. So it's like the that's the audience for this is the, the nine to ten year old. So the darkness isn't a problem. The violence isn't a problem. Even the books are violent from what I've read on reviews and things like that. But it's just that they're going to respond more to the, a good adaptation versus all the details. Like, you try to put a, a bunch of details in there for nerds. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like, that, that's what those are there for. But in this situation, it's like, uh, wait, who, who are the nerds? Are they people who actually care about this mm-hmm. or not? Because, like, you look at other Snyder interpretations or adaptations or whatever you want to call them, because I think both words kind of apply here. And you like you go to, like, the BVS or Justice League stuff, and it's like, now this is just taking source material and making his own thing out of it. Something that we have been a very big fan of from day one in this podcast. Uh, But then you look at like Watchmen and Watchmen is far more like, I'm going to use the book as uh, um, storyboards for the movie. And granted, he, he took a lot of liberties. He changed a lot of things. But when you look at that movie, it is undeniably Watchmen. Um, So I'm not sure what school of thought he was going after for this thing. And and it kind of feels to me and now correct me if I'm wrong, or if you disagree, this felt to me like Snyder was doing his best to bring like all of the the all of the tricks in his tool bag. Like he's got a slow mo, he's got like his uh, camera work, he's got the music score, uh, the way he like has characters interact with each other. Like all of his tropes are in this movie. They just don't seem to work as well here. Like it's not the medium for them. Yeah, even down to the the pop songs, which in general I like Owl City. They use that a bunch. Um, I, I just kind of have to call bullshit on hiring Owl City for your movie about owls. Yeah, yeah. Like, little, it, little too easy, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it, it is a low-hanging fruit, to be sure, for <laughs> deciding it. But at the same time, like, they have a good sound, right? So it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, cool, cool. Yeah, it wasn't I mean, bad. They, I mean, it's good music. You're right there. I'm just still just like, come on, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think even Wreck-It Ralph used Owl City for a little bit, too. So, like, you know, they have a bop that I, I think works in terms of a younger audience. So, you know, heart's in the right place. Maybe the 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 joke of the choice is not, but yeah, exactly. It's like how long did you spend looking for a band? I just googled owls and bands, and I I got the first one, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> even then, the childish bop of their sound doesn't work here. Like, no, because it's I, really I like at odds it. with the movie. Like, it's a good song, but it, it just doesn't fit at yeah, all. In, in a in a a movie or in a thing here that has owls with swords in their talons and metallic talons slicing at each other and a villain whose beak has been torn off and has to wear a metallic mask that looks almost like uh, a wraith from Lord of the Rings when he looks at you and his eyes all garbled and yellow and vile. Oh, like, I, he looks... I kept thinking of the things from uh, Dark Crystal. Okay. Same, I... same, same look, though. Like, we're, we're on the same page, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's like there's a, a frightening 
element to it, a more demonic look. It's like, yeah, and then you cut to, you know, Owl City, and they're like, ooh, ooh, ah, and then <laughs> pixelated warbling music soundtrack. It, it, it's weird. It's a weird choice and at odds. But that's the thing that Snyder will do is bring in pop songs in a very interesting way and recontextualizing way. And it's like, well, yeah, you guys got a, a director who is great at this stuff, but he, you shouldn't have got him for your movie. Yeah, like, it's just like uh, it'd be like watching Stanley Kubrick direct Iron Man. Like, yeah, I'd be super into watching it. I don't think it'd be a very good Iron Man movie, though. Um, no. And that's fine. That's that's what I kind of like this movie for that. Like, it's a really cool like well, look at this experiment. Did it work? No, nah, not really. But it's a, it's really kind of interesting when it does work though. Like for example, my my best my best one will be when um God what the fuck is his name Soren, uh when Soren's learning how to like fly through the wind and like he learns how to like tunnel the. Uh, the rain and like how to actually use the rain to push himself further. And like the slow-mo works there. Like it does that exact thing that we, we really enjoyed in like Dawn of the dead and sucker punch. And obviously next week's in BBS and justice league where like the slow-mo made the scene better. Like it made you focus on what was important. It made you feel like that moment with him where it's like, Oh, this works now. Like he is just one with the wind and it's like, Oh yeah. And then it comes back later when he has to do the same thing, but now in fire and it's way more important. I'm like, this works. This is what I like about Zack Snyder. I just don't have more than like that one example in this movie, which is kind of a bummer. Yeah. And even that same, even the soundtrack does the right thing there. Cause there's Mm -hmm. a song in there and I, and I recognize the song from something, but I'd have to spend more time to figure out where, but I've heard it before in another medium, like in another way. And so just to hear that, you know, pitch shifted, changed, different vocals. But with the allies, he's going through the tunnel. I was like, I'm in this moment. Suddenly yeah. I'm here. And, and, but then, you know, once it's all done, I couldn't tell you which one was Clud and which one was Soren for maybe the first half of the movie. If you it wasn't know, the threat or... of how easily Clud was taken over to the quote unquote dark side, I would never remember. But like Clud is just like, Hey, do you want to be a bad guy? Yeah, all right. And that's it. <laughs> what? Like, we have a little yeah. more character development here? Nah. No, we, we got things to do. We're so far past that now. Right, yeah. And it just it, it felt like um, deja vu with this, especially compared to our uh, Mortal Engines episode, because so, so many of the problems and so many of the things that we enjoyed happened at around the same time. Like these things that we liked about Mortal Engines, some the filmmaker things, the visuals are all great. The soundtrack and times are really good. There's a moment we can look to that has a very standout thing, and then it just becomes incomprehensible all around it. It's really and, fun. Like the the more we're talking about this, more I'm like, why do we ever bother watching these adaptations? I don't think you and I have ever enjoyed one of them. <laughs> I hold. I, I feel like I hold out hope because on the opposite end of this, you have Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings trilogy. Yeah, that's that true. that that took it that did it right, you know that we would that we that enough people in the world could sit down and be like, ah, uh, yeah, I agree, that's actually really well, and then like he also on the flip side of that has the opposite problem where he has a small book that he blows out, oh. and it for the Hobbit and it gets all over the place, but still the point is like we have these ways that they've been done right and people kind of hit the mark. So, like, even with this one, even with Owls of Gahul, there were a lot of moments where it was like, I kind of get what you're going for. I'm kind of into this. And they're fleeting. You know, like uh, Trinity yeah. breaching the clouds at the end of the third Matrix movie. You're like, oh, there's hope. And then back down into the muck. Yeah. <laughs> one good moment in a two and a half hour nonsense pile. It's a great moment, though. Right, right. And there, even with all these movies, there's always this sense of like, oh, we liked all these things. So that's why I think why we continue to come across these and watch them and give them the chance that we do because there's a hope, but also be, they have, there's something there still. There's always something there. There's always some idea, some visual, some piece of thing that piece of the puzzle that just really works. And it almost it, like, it's kind of like the come back, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm changed. I'll be different. This one will be different. And it's like, well, and- no, but sort of. And it's always interesting when it's like a filmmaker that you really enjoy. Like I know you're you're coming around to Snyder. You might not be quite where I'm at, but you, you're definitely coming around. But like you watch these sorts of movies, and it's like, 
I love seeing what I love about you in this movie. Like, I love being able to pick out, like, the, oh, Snyder got his way on that argument. And like, oh, yep, that, that's him right there. But there's also kind of, like, this heartbreaking thing of, like, look, I, I, I'm a huge Snyder fan, so don't, you know, whatever. But the man needs more than an hour and a half to tell a story. Like, I think we can all agree, like, he, he works his best when he's over three hours. Uh, so when you see this movie here that is this, like, huge, sweeping, owl-filled epic Itty bitty living space, like <laughs> right. You know it's not going to work. Like you just, you can just look at the the numbers and just the math doesn't add up. Like nope, that's not going to be a great movie. Like it, it'll be as good as it can be, but you know if if Snyder had the the right tools, the right leeway, basically the freedom to make the movie that we all know he can make when he has freedom, I think this movie would have been great. Like I, I think this one really could have like crossed that nerd divide of like, well, only fans of this will enjoy this. I don't think that had to be the case here. I think there's enough here. There's enough world building here. There's clearly a wonderful design here. Like the fucking, like the owls, the way they use weapons, the way they use like the metal talon things. Like all this shit is really cool. Like I am so into it. I just wish the story was at all either either comprehensible, like so I can understand what the fuck is going on. Or when I do understand what's going on, I wish I cared. But since everything moves so fast, I'm either confused or I'm checked out. Yeah, and again, the there's kind of this issue, and, and I'm, I'm always back and forth on it. And I can't, I have not decided how I feel, but with something like this, you almost have to have this movie made this way because of the chance that you won't get another one. Sure. So by by nature, you're already forced into this bubble of like we have to sacrifice comprehensibility to just get as much as we can, and maybe if there's a sequel, we can slow down. And I think these movies never get that. They're never allowed that chance. So then the other side of that is, well, if this movie had just been set up with an exciting hook of a future of a potential metal beak, you know, he's hinted at, he's rumored, and suddenly this that's the hook for the next one. Or, you know, you get to a third part. You have a three movies instead of one. Like, financially, you're never going to get that chance, but that would have changed everything. Suddenly yeah. now your hour and a half for Zack Snyder can work because he can embellish the plot that's smaller, you know, and yeah. build it and build it more like a, a symphony versus a, um, a jam session. An Owl City song. But yeah, no, you're right. I, I think there, there is definitely a way to approach this film with this filmmaker, with this filmmaking team, everybody to where it, it didn't end up, like this and, and i say like this like it's a bad movie it's definitely not a bad film like I, i've watched worse kids movies i've watched scarier kids movies i've watched more violent kids movies like I, everything this movie does that people are kind of like oh, i don't know i'm like i've seen worse um but i've also seen better and that's kind of the problem yeah and yeah again it, the thing we come across with snyder on this is the time like the runtime you know, we, we say that he needs to have a, r- a long runtime which then begs the question of, like, well, it's a kids' movie. Kids' movies cannot be the three-hour epics. You, you, you can't really get away with that with nine to ten-year-olds. No. Because no, the attention span. So you already have yeah. that as an issue. But the way he told this movie and why we enjoyed it as much as we did is he told it very visually, too. Everything was so visually powerful, even if we couldn't figure out who was who, what was what, what, you know, stealth on branches means like why the parents were gone for all like for most of the movie and weren't just looking like all these things like you're, uh, like you're why distracted the hell did the flip sides so fast like it really was that easy i'm not exaggerating this is like darth vader levels of like you should be evil okay yeah and then when they finally argue it's like well they accepted me like really you guys talked for two minutes yeah, and, and we then, didn't really see you not accepted before. Like, we didn't really get that buildup of, like, oh, you're the unwanted son. We never really got that. Yeah, and and then another unfortunate kind of victim of this pacing is the moon blinking, which to me stood out as a very interesting idea and one that really begged, really begged for a lot more time. In oh, that, my God, like, yes. Or I wouldn't have been making fun of it for the past 11 years. <laughs> <laughs> right? And uh, because there's a lot of interesting things in there and the power of the moon and seasons, like 
this is stuff that's in a part one. This is in your Fellowship of the Ring. You build all this stuff up. Like, you know, you, you can't know that the journey is going to take such a toll on Frodo without living in his idyllic, li- idyllic lifestyle for 30, what, 30, 40 minutes? And I mean, arguably maybe a little too long sometimes, but I mean... Also, definitely not. Um, yeah, yeah, great. But it's like it's like you said. But like the moon blinking. Like what? What the fuck is that? Actually asking, that's what a, the fuck is that? <laughs> we, we're, yeah, we're that's giving, a, that's a po- we're giving no explanation. What we see is a bunch of little owls being told to look up the sky. They do, and now they're slaves. Like how does that not happen to all owls? How is this not like a thing? It's like you look, don't look at the moon. It's like like with kids, don't look at the sun, or you'll lose your eyes. Don't look at the moon, or you'll lose your sanity. Like. Yeah, is it? Uh, how is, is this? It, is this common? Like you're only awake at night. The moon seems super dangerous. Yeah, is it? Is it a weird? Like, the rules aren't clear, and they they can't be. They're not allowed to be with the the restraints that we've already talked about. But then, but this moon blinking thing is a pause moment where it's like, if I'm confused by this, like I want to know if it's important because it feels important. This this thing, moon blinking, the rules of it, why uh, eglathane, uh, egg, the little cutesy one. The, yeah. you know, owl baby Yoda, um, like how she recovers from it. Like what, what makes her able to recover from it? And wouldn't everyone else just recover from it? Yeah. Also, like that, that didn't seem that hard. She just kind of yeah. waited it out. Yeah. And <laughs> so then, but then on the same, like on that, like the next door neighbor of this is the, uh, why are they going through, you know, owl pellets to find weird wispy things? But again, no time, no time. We don't have any time yeah, for that. No. It, it's just elemental it weakens owls it hits them in their gizzard what's the role of the gizzard they talk about gizzards and like i know from birds in general and you know you read up on you research animals in general you understand this but like there's a fantasy version of gizzards here gizzards are spiritual yeah they say they're hinted at in your gizzard it's like okay so what (laughs) yeah and it's tied into that special move he does through the tunnels like you feel it in your gizzard his soren's decisions are made by his gizzard and you know, once you get through about a dozen uses of that, it's not, it doesn't mean anything anymore. Sort of like when they have to get past the Gehunamine Sea or whatever. Like, once you, at a certain point, there's a level of disbelief and confusion that you just stop paying attention to those things because it's gobbledygook, right? Yeah, but it's like, say, for example, you had a, a less accomplished director doing Harry Potter. Um, now Harry Potter has its own plethora of problems nowadays, so it's not always the best example, but, uh, you look at the very first film, the very first out the door, Dumbledore walks up to McGonagall and starts talking about muggles and magic and just spouting all this magic word nonsense at you. But since they spend the time, they explain the terms. You're never that confused by it. By the end of the first movie, somebody says muggle. You're not questioning it. You're like, Oh, that's somebody who doesn't know magic who is not capable of doing magic. You got it right. You, you figured it out. Yeah. This movie, since it moves so fast, it's not very, like, as I said in the very beginning of the episode, not very economical when it's time. It skips these things, and it leads us to going where you're going of, like, well, you just kind of stop paying attention to it because it doesn't make sense. And then when you only have an hour and a half of a movie and you're already just checking out for chunks, like, we're in trouble. Like, you're you're in uh, you're in a bad state. <laughs> right. And that's where it kind of comes down to, because for this whole month, largely we're talking about Zack Snyder's style in general and his visual uh, vision for movies and how he presents them and their presentation. And that should be a key feature here. But like, how are we, like, why are we checking out of a Zack Snyder movie? Like <laughs> why, yeah, like that... why, why do we have to check out of that? Cause I'm like, I'm looking at my phone two thirds of the way through this because I'm like, Oh, maybe I can check Twitter, you know, cause <laughs> like while I wait for something big to happen, that's explosive. But yeah, so I, I totally agree. Like, there, there's no reason while watching a Zack Snyder film that you should be like pulling out your laptop. Like that—that that used to be the, the key phrase that me and a, a good friend of mine used to have. Like, we'd ask, like, "Hey, I watched this movie of the weekend. How good was it?" I pulled the laptop out about halfway through. Like, it was a good way of saying, like, I didn't turn it off, but I wasn't into it. And, and this—this this is out of the entire five weeks of this month, the only movie that ticks that box for me. Like, I, I might say some mean things about Sucker Punch, but at the end of the day, I enjoy the movie. Um, this one, it's not that I don't enjoy it. it. It's that it does so little for me to enjoy. Like the stuff that's there, I think is great. I, I think it's great. It's pure Zack Snyder. And, and that's, and I mean that in a good way, because it is the, like the slow-mo that works, the music cues that work, the character stuff that works. It's all there, but 
but when it's not doing that stuff and it does that stuff so infrequently, the movie is by and large, if you're not a fan of the property, skippable. And you kind of, that feels so at odds with Zack Snyder because Zack Snyder is the director that I'll go, he might've made the worst movie of the year and I'm still going to go see it in theaters because you know it's going to be packed to the brim with style and something you haven't seen before. You might end up hating it, but I'll still take the worst movie that does something new over the best movie that does the same thing over and over again. And that is Zack Snyder almost every time. This would be that almost. This wasn't that time. This was so, yeah. I don't want to say paint by numbers because that's way too mean of an insult, but it just, it feels bland. And that's not a word I can use to describe Zack Snyder in any yeah. other scenario. Well, and and I, and I just took a look and what's interesting, perhaps, and I don't know if this is true across all his movies, but this is out of this month. This I, Well, no, um, Dawn of the Dead had a different writer, but there were two different writers credited as a for screenplay for this and judging by how he worked with uh james gunn in dawn of the dead and how he worked with the writers here for better or worse it was a mitch a mismatch and it was because they just weren't in sync and whether that's because the scripts were just handed off to him to work with and he just directed from there or due to the nature of animation cg animation and animation in general it's more of a, a more amorphous thing it's hard to say, but at the same time, it's like, well, that's a, a pinpoint to what you just said. Like we're, we've got his style, but he's not being helped with it. Whereas with BVS in the future here and uh, justice league, that's all him. And sucker punch is all him. And when it's all him, you have to pay attention to his movies. Yeah. Like all the way through, even though it's like, it's, he's der- like derided for style over substance. It's just like, no, no, he's, he's layered it in like a, like a cake or a, play i don't know cooking very well but he's (laughs) (laughs) he's layered these things in there so they're there if you're going to look for them but you have to pay attention this you you can't pay attention (laughs) i i I could be wrong but i think this is the only movie this maybe not dawn of the dead um but he's usually a producer on his own films too and he's not a producer on this one his wife is deborah's on there but she's only on Mm -hmm. his executive producer which you know God, I, I've been in the film industry for going on 15 years, and I still can't tell you the difference between all the producers. Um, so take that for what you will. And, and like, so maybe, maybe it just wasn't enough Snyder in this movie. Maybe it was more studio. Maybe Snyder sat down and thought this would be a great opportunity and a wonderful experiment. And then about halfway through, he's like, whoa, animation's not for me. Like, that's a very real possibility because animation, if you're not aware, I mean, there's a documentary out there that I still haven't seen um, that John has mentioned a lot of times. There's a lot of things out there that you, you can look into the, the fucking hurricane that is the animation world. It's a totally different beast. So, it, yeah, and and just even as a, as a brief snippet, like, you can be close to, like, to theatrical release and still be working out some plot details at least that's in the uh, the documentary i'm talking about they had that where it was like oh we're about a couple months from away we're a couple months away we haven't locked a certain song and it's like oh fuck yeah like <laughs> so that, like the nature of animation is all at once very specific in every single way but it's also changes all the time yeah and I mean, that that is very Zack Snyder. I mean, Zack Snyder has even said that, like, he would do a new cut of Sucker Punch if he could. Like, it, he, he is in that school of thought. So it does, you know, argumentally, like, on paper, it would make sense that animation could work for him. And I just unfortunately don't think either animation either just doesn't work for him or maybe this was just the wrong project to get him started on. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like getting powerful filmmakers with a very specific style that are known for defining works, putting them in something that is a, a series supposed to be a series of movies, a franchise starter in this particular way for an audience that's not there in their general wheelhouse seems so far from all the movies we've reviewed a guaranteed miss. Yeah. So I'm willing to chalk this movie up as what I think it mostly is, which is just a, a delightful experiment. Um, I, I don't regret watching it the two times I've seen it. If Corin ever wants to watch the owl movie, I'll never tell him no. Like it's like, nah, it's not a bad movie. I just, I think out of all the five movies that we're doing this month, this will be the one that I return to the least. Yeah. Would be my bet. And I'm not going to say it's a bad movie. Like I'd still probably give it like six out of 10, seven out of 10. It's still good enough. 
I think on Metacritic, it ended up in the 50s somewhere, which I think seems about right. Um, it's kind of like what we said earlier. Like, it's not bad. I wish it was better. Yeah. And it's just in, in a month where we're dealing with some – we're dealing with a lot of the Snyder problem, as some people might call it. It's a very w- weird aberration in his uh, filmography. Yeah, it is. And, and like, th- this isn't how these movies came out. But as far as for our podcast goes, it is kind of interesting that we did, like, you know, the, the pre-comic book Snyder and took a little break and went crazy with owls. And now we're going full comic book Snyder. <laughs> right. We're, we're kind of the, – the three before the, the big ones are, have a very specific journey in mind because you can see it, like, the first one establishing, the second one, you know, his own thing. And even though even though the order might be off, but in terms of how we've addressed them, yeah, we've got we've got yeah his beginning, his own project, and one that is for the studio. This feels very for the studio. Oh yeah, from the beginning, and it's this machine YA style like try to like franchise starters. So now, so then after that, we're gonna just dive off the deep end into here's my vision. <laughs> Take it. I mean, I, I'm very excited for what comes next, personally. Um, I, I think I think all of us here are, though. The next two movies are pretty fucking good. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I've certainly come around on the, these next films coming up in interesting ways, and there's a big there's a big journey to those. The, those two these two movies coming up are why we even suggested this month. Yep, is because like I need to rethink this. Had it just been this movie, maybe not. Had we started with this, I might have, I might have been like, "I've, Job, I've made a mistake." <laughs> I mean, we we could have just done like his first. No, we already did. Like that's the thing is, like, I look at Zack Snyder, I'm like we've covered like all of his movies. I'm a I'm a fan. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess we could do Watchmen. I don't think we ever actually covered Watchmen on the show. That one was kind of like my I want to do it. I don't want to do it. I don't know. Um, that yeah. one is an interesting thing. And also, it's not helped by the fact that you can't, you have to own the director's cut. You can't, yeah. like, rent it. And oh, Which is weird, because like, it pops up on streaming every now and then. Like, it was on Amazon Prime, both the theatrical cut, director's cut, director's cut with the animated video intercut. Uh, all three of them were there for, like, a year. And now they're all gone. You can't even rent them again. It's like, what the, what the fuck is happening with this thing? <laughs> yeah. Now, it's all going to be on HBO Max later this year. I mean, that would be nice. Yeah, here's hoping because then I'll give it a chance because I imagine, apart from this movie, the trajectory will match with the other ones in terms of oh, I see what he's going for. This is um, why I didn't like the theater version. I, I remember there was a this is going way back in the day, back to like when I still followed IGN. Uh, like there was an interview with a woman on IGN who she's like, oh yeah, then Watchmen, that terrible movie, and, and somebody's like, that's not a terrible movie. She's like, I should clarify. The theatrical cut was terrible. When I finally saw the director's cut, had I only seen the director's cut, I would have said Watchmen's a good movie. But I always just remember the theatrical one. I'm like, that's going back all the way before the Superman, Batman nonsense. Like, that was like, this has been a thing for a while. Yeah. And it just kind of gummies the works in terms of the discourse on it. It which really does. It's prob- which is probably good that this has fallen under the radar, the Owls one. Because it wouldn't help his case, necessarily. No. Nah. Um, and I, I feel like, and I also feel, I mean, I guess I feel fortunate that it hasn't fed the fodder because to the movie's detriment, it's not enough Snyder to annoy people and not, not enough Snyder to mock. Yeah. There's really nothing to mock here. Like even most people who aren't Snyder fans will still say like, Oh, that one wasn't bad. And it's like that, that speaks volumes. When people yeah. who hate Zack Snyder say the Owls like a who is his best movie. What you're saying is, I hate Zack Snyder because there's so little Zack Snyder in this movie. <laughs> right. It, it it's like, oh, what what a way what a, a filmmaker negging, right? <laughs> yeah. It'd be like saying your favorite Fast and the Furious movie with Paul Walker in it is Fast and Furious Three. Um. <laughs> the, the joke there is he's not in Three. If you didn't get that, God, everyone needs to watch fucking Fast and Furious movies. Yeah. Uh, but I, I feel like yeah we've we've almost even reached a, a terminus here for this because yeah I think even the there. voice acting it's good it's good but like we joked earlier I couldn't tell you which one was um, Hugo Weaving without looking it up and wow. even then they get they put the name next to it and I'm like who who I, I, I was when <laughs> sorry I Al Elijah, joke when I said Elijah Wood earlier I wasn't that was a terrible Al joke uh, when. <laughs> 
kind of everybody's pretty good. Uh, <laughs> but I wasn't joking when I said earlier when I thought it was Elijah Wood. I was halfway through the movie. I'm like, why is Elijah Wood so whiny in this? Oh, it's Jim Sturgis because it's not Elijah Wood. <laughs> Sorry, Jim. My bad. <laughs> You're great in this. Right. And, and like even Jeffrey rushes in this and you're like, oh, wait, which one was he? And then you look at the name again. It's like, I don't know that one. Oh, okay. Like, oh, Jeff Rush. He, so he must have been Metal Beak. No, that was Joel Edgerton. Joel Edgerton was in this? <laughs> and? Huh. I like Joel Edgerton. I, I had no idea he was even here. <laughs> yeah. It, it's just so much of that just means that there's not a whole lot to talk about because other than the complaints we've had, it's fine. Yeah. And it, it's it's unfortunate for a filmmaker who I think is powerful in his divisiveness. That to have something that's not divisive may be an issue. That's a weird way to think about it. But No, I, I think you're, you're spot on. Like, I remember when I made my first short film and I got some reviews back that were just terrible. And my teacher told me, he's like, hey, man, you pissed somebody off. You made them feel something. Even if it was a terrible movie, you still made somebody feel something, and you should feel good about that at least. It was the, the greatest way to say, like, hey, your movie didn't work for somebody, but in the best way possible. And yeah. this is that movie that gets like that <clears throat> response. And that that is like, to me, that's such an insult to a film. And I, I don't mean it to be that mean this time. But like that, that is what, as a filmmaker, which I rarely am anymore, but whenever I do make films, that is the response that I'm trying to avoid. I'd rather have everybody get pitchforks to take my movie down than just forget about it. Yeah. And with all the all the media out there, the interviews, the, the, the junkets, the articles, and all that, that when they talk to Zack Snyder, he's very, it sounds like he's very interested in uh, making a movie to tell a story and he has, he wants to have a good time with it. And he was trying to, he's not trying to make a studio thing. It seems like watching all these, even if he's playing within the system, there's more to it than that. Yeah. So then have something so paint by numbers. It's like, well, maybe he enjoyed it. Maybe it was a, a break from big, you know, <laughs> a, a calm before the storm, but he seems ambitious yeah that guy and to, you don't you don't just put that on hold even with your your break like and, and you just for have to better rem- or worse yeah just remember how much he was doing at the time so at this time he had uh 300 in 2006 which was like his big like dawn of the dead was like his entry to the world of like filmmaking if you will like he'd done stuff before that, that was his real first film and they did 300 which is like proof of concept like oh no he's awesome and he can pull it off so from 300, he went from 300, and then three years later, he had Watchmen in 2009, Owls of Kahul in 2010, Sucker Punch in 2011, Man of Steel 2013. Like, he did not stop. It is a busy yeah. guy. So if he has one movie in there that's a little paint by numbers, not quite what we're jiving with, I think that's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a good ratio. Yeah, it's a pretty good ratio. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right, I, I, let's move into a favorite moments. Um, I, I'll avoid the trailer moment, which is awesome, admittedly. Uh, <laughs> if John doesn't pick that one, I will circle back to it. But but my favorite moment in the movie is a joke, and it is a total dad joke, and it just cracked me up. And there are two characters we didn't really talk about much. There's this big owl and a little owl, and it's like the, you know, this classic comedy trope of big guy, little guy. Um, and they want to go on the adventure with Soren, and Soren's like, well, I guess you can come with. And he's like, good, because he's like, I can't take any more of this guy's this stuff. And he's like, I can't take any more of this guy's owl jokes. And he goes, why? They're a hoot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good. <laughs> yeah. No, those jokes, those jokes do work. I, I do appreciate that. He and, has two that, that just works so well for me. That's one of them. And then uh, what, what was your moment? Uh, I think I'm trying to. You know, I'm just gonna go with the the moment that you're hinting at, just because <laughs> you kind of have to find that one because those are this is there are distinct moments. But the whole scene itself involving the echidna on the mountaintop and that presentation, what a weird and then you moment. get past that, it is a weird moment. And that's where I was like, oh, that's what echidnas look like. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Archie Comics and Sonic the Hedgehog, for <laughs> steering me wrong all these years. But no. Mystical echidna, oh, such a weird scene. But anyways, the joke about like all this stuff, and then like then you're halfway there. It's like you hear that we're halfway there. 
And I had never seen the trailer, so I didn't recognize that as a trailer moment until you mentioned it. But yeah, it's just like, okay, there's some levity. This is distinct. That's a solid joke. When you think you've flown so far, you're never going to make it. You're halfway there. What do you say? We're halfway there. <laughs> it's, it's so good. And then it cuts quickly to just they're in the shit. And I'm like, yeah, okay, and then they make yeah. It. Yeah, I guess they were halfway there. <laughs> yeah, no, but like to have that, we're halfway there, and then to have it be like a terrible windstorm. It's like that, that timing still tracks out as pretty funny. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, there are things that work in the movie just as a whole. Yeah. Uh, all right, double features this week. I oof, Might be a little tough. Why don't you go first? You have one locked and loaded by chance. Oh, uh, let's see. I'm gonna have to cheat and say uh, Mortal Engines. They're, <laughs> they're paired. They're paired together. Just when you watch both of them, like sorry, they're gonna feel very long. It's gonna be Oof. a very long double feature. It's gonna be a long be three hours. That's right, about it. just about three hours, but it's gonna be a long three hours. Yeah, everyone's going to leave the theater in a daze and I'll be cackling because, hey, I'm a, a trollish bastard. But, like... Are, are you saying everyone will leave feeling moon-blinked? Prob- probably. I mean, that would be my goal. <laughs> All right, you will come back for another day of this same screening. Woohoo, more money. <laughs> but just in the sense of, if anything, maybe it can jog our minds as to what's wrong with these. Like, I, I feel like we're just continuing to watch these. These things keep trickling in money. Because we don't know any better, and we're not like, you know, sort of like audience to shape what is sold. If we just could see these in a row, we could see their sins. Sure. That, on display. A, yeah, it's a good way to look at it. Uh, I'm gonna go a little different. Um, I'm gonna go more like thematically than uh, you know, than <laughs> why do you exist? I guess. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna go with Secret of Nim. I kind of mentioned it earlier. Um, it's still, you know, animals. Epic journey uh, is unafraid to scare kids. A lot of stuff that this thing does. I, I think they'd pair well together. I think Secret of Nim's a much better film, uh, but it's still, it still ticks that box of me of like being for kids while not being afraid to talk down to them, which I think is really cool. I think it's important. Uh, I wish more movies did it. Uh, it's just that they're so few and far between, and when they are done, they're rarely done well. So it's just kind of tough. And Secret and Nim is always like my number one. Like that is a great movie. It's scary as hell for kids, but it doesn't have to be either. Like it's just such a beautiful film. Yeah. Uh, which how are you ordering them? Oof. Uh, I'd probably go this one first. I, I usually try to end on the better note. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, in my case, it wouldn't matter. But <laughs> really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think. I think I'd go. Gahuls and then then Nim, I think. So you're gonna yeah. By the end of the day, you're basically gonna be speaking gibberish because you're gonna be hearing a lot of made up words all day. <laughs> but, but right, right. At least at least on your, at the end of yours, like you'll be amenable to the gibberish versus, you know, mine where like you're just gonna be like, oh, okay, no more talking, no more words. <laughs> I just I just want a beer and a nap. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Uh, I think that pretty much does it for this one. I uh, th- this is uh, it's the end of the normal Zack Snyder stuff. If you ever want to call anything normal of Zack Snyder, as we're about to dive deep into the crazy DC world of Zack Snyder, and I am I'm so here for this. Yeah, and also examining just the response to it too, because at least with the at least with what we've watched so far, the criticisms against him, I would call them relatively harmless in yeah. terms of just you're you're dealing with people's taste and in, in this regard it's like okay he's divisive because not everyone likes 300 not everyone liked watchmen not everyone liked you know not everyone liked what he was doing but they didn't like what he was doing it never felt like yeah. uh it never felt against him because with uh, 300 it's um frank miller who wrote it so like people c- could suss him out a little bit better the two yeah. of the, the filmmaker and writer and then you go We're with Watchmen. Territory. Like, but you go with Watchmen. It's like, oh, well, that's Alan Moore. It's impossible to translate anything Alan Moore's made. Like that has like been the the gold standard for a long time. If it's Alan Moore, it's not going to be a good movie. It's just impossible. So it's like, all right. So people gave him a pass on that one too. But uh, oh boy, that changed when they got to Batman vs Superman. <laughs> yeah, and 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 maybe, and we'll see if we can get to it because I feel like the scope of the next com- the upcoming episodes will put a strain on your editing uh, time because. The discourse on him changed. Yeah. Completely. 
and, and I will say this for the upcoming episodes, and if uh, Matt, you're listening, this pertains to you too, because Matt Dykes will be joining us for the next two. the The next two film, the next two reviews, if you will, will be far less of a review of the movies because we've already covered Batman vs Superman, uh, not very well, to be totally fair. Uh, but we have done a full review on that movie. We've done a full review on the Whedon cut of Justice League, which granted just is a different movie, but I'm saying we have talked about these stories. We have covered them before. So I'm more interested in talking about the Zack Snyder of BVS and the Zack Snyder of Zack Snyder's justice league and like the world reacting to these movies. Like that's more what the next two film or the next two episodes of our show is going to be kind of framed as like, yeah, we can get in the nitty gritties of like, uh, and we probably will. Like, why does the Martha scene actually work? Why is everyone wrong when they're just trying to jump on the one thing? And it's so funny to make the same joke over and over. You're wrong. You're wrong. The scene works. Um, we'll get into <laughs> well, that the, stuff. The, yeah. But, and the but change the, of that over time, too. Like, Yeah. I, I'm excited for the next two. We're, we're going to do our best. Uh, episodes might be a little over an hour, but they're going to have to stay around an hour or they're never going to get cut. <laughs> never going to come out. <laughs> Zack Snyder, I am not. <laughs> <laughs> and that's okay. Um, let's do a quick round of plugs, and then, then we'll say goodbye. Uh, mine, mine's pretty simple. Tune into HHpod.com for this show and every show on the HH Network. Uh, Binge Buddies is taking a bit of a snooze until June when we come back with uh, tentatively titled Who, What, When, Where, and Why We Do in the Shadows. That title might change. But uh, in the meantime, uh, not this past Monday, but this upcoming Monday, there will be episodes of either uh damage boost or uh joel's podcast uh super gg radio and those will be on our feed for a little while until we come back with normal episodes uh john what about you what you plugging uh demon days like always our actual play podcast that's still going strong we're still in our bi-weekly schedule for the time being i'm still trying to find fun ways to um or fun things to make brian say uh, in terms of the narrator <laughs> and uh get weird with it but also um we're coming up on some big story stuff soon here so we're, we're building towards something and i'm excited to share that with everyone but just be patient and i i was so proud of how the bartender turned out like that voice took me a while <laughs> to get down but I, I thought it was pretty good i like the way he said flame breath yeah yeah <laughs> I, can, I can my my editor brain can kind of almost see like the matrix code the, the various <laughs> takes and versions you may have done before you cut them to the version you give me <laughs> oh yeah there's a lot of talking and then like all right what, what would be the other lines being said here oh it's good I liked it. This past yeah. what what, was, what episode would that have been? Would that been the seventy nine? Yeah, we're not. We're just about to the eight zero, but okay. seventy nine is the last one. Yeah, seventy nine is my recommendation. Listen to at least my intro on that one. You should listen to the whole episodes. They're great. But if you're lost and you need to go back a whole bunch, just listen to the intro on seventy nine. Then go back because I'm pretty proud of that one. That one I, I think I did pretty good on. Yeah, I, it's always a treat to throw those in there, and always a treat to have that as a bookend. Yeah, it's good. All right. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening. Tune in to the next two weeks where we go full nerd for Zack Snyder on BVS, the Ultimate Edition. In my case, the Ultimate Edition new 4K remaster uh, and <laughs> Zack Snyder's Justice League. I might watch the black and white one for that. I might. I don't know. We'll see. Bye. The justice is gray. <laughs> I, hate, I hate the title so much. That's why I haven't watched it yet. <laughs> it's so it's so criterion.